Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My name is Vivian Vovan, and I am a STEM Blazers alumni and volunteer while I'm pursuing my chemical engineering degree at Colorado School of Mines. STEM Blazers has supported and inspired me throughout my high school and college career, and I truly wouldn't be where I am today without them. So I'm extremely excited to be a host this season. My name is Ali Helton, and I'm a STEM Blazers alumni and volunteer. STEM Blazers has provided me with encouragement and support during my high school and college education. I'm also super passionate about helping young girls find their confidence in STEM fields. With that being said, let's introduce our guest of the episode, Dee Dee Willis. So Dee Dee is a life sciences entrepreneur and partner at Ventec Partners, which founded Orbit Genomics. And she received her bachelor's in science degree in chemical engineering from Clemson University and her MBA from the University of Houston. During her academic career, she applied for a co-op position with Dow Chemical, where she established her interest in chemical engineering. Her first job was an aerospace startup, where her passions began to click and take off. Didi has over 25 years of international leadership experience and has worked in several corporate startups in the U.S. and Germany. Didi works with Ventec Partners to start and build life science companies. From this, she branched off to co-found Orbit Genomics, in which she is the CEO, and she's excited to share her insight into engineering with us today. Hi, Dee Dee. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. We're extremely excited to have you today. Um, Something that you mentioned in your bio was that your father was actually a chemical engineer, um, and I know he he was trying to persuade you um, to join to join engineering, and you initially weren't interested. Can you talk to us a little bit more about your journey um, into engineering in STEM and whether or not growing up with engineering changed your outlook on it? Yes. So, yes, my father was a chemical engineer. He actually went to CU here in Boulder, and um, he thought that everybody should either be a doctor or an engineer, and a chemical engineer at that. <laughs> we joked in the family. Um, and he always told, I have two older brothers, and he told us we had to take all of the STEM classes offered every single semester in school when we were in junior high and high school, which we did. Um, we were all good good uh, children, I guess. And even though I, I, we all, I did well in those classes, they weren't my most exciting classes. And as certainly as a teenager, I had no clue what a chemical engineer really did. Uh, even, and he took me to school to work a couple of times long before they had take your daughters to work day, but he was a manager. And so I just sat and listened to conversations, or even when we toured his plant, he worked in the nuclear industry. Some of that was kind of interesting, but it really didn't seem like something I wanted to do. And so, but I, you know, wasn't really sure. And he kept telling me, well, if you start in college with an engineering major you and you don't like it, you can transfer to other majors really easily. Whereas if you start somewhere else, your credits won't come over to engineering which was true. I checked with my guidance counselors and they said, yes, that for most schools was true. So I I went ahead and majored in engineering. I also tried to learn as much as I could in high school about it, but still wasn't sure. And it wasn't until I got to school and was um, interviewed for a co-op position, mainly for the interview experience, someone told me to do it, and then decided, hey, this is really a great opportunity for me to go see what engineering is really about and what chemical engineering is. And so I did that. And after I went and started working as a co-op, I realized that, yeah, what I do in my job isn't really related to what you might sit down in a classroom and do. You use those tools, but what you get to do on the job is so much more exciting and fun that um, I really fell in love with it once I started working in it. 
That's great. Yeah. I know right now during school, like something I'm struggling with is I'm like, these classes are really hard. Is this what I'm going to be doing? So hearing you say that, you know, the classes are a bit different than what like the actual job looks like is, is really reassuring to hear. Yeah. Even through college, I mean, everything, you know, I like in People think chemical engineers are a lot like chemists, and we're really not. Um, we're, I, I consider us to be much more problem solvers and the practical side of things, converting what a chemist might do into something that you could manufacture or use in industry. And even in my laboratories or you know, everyone says, oh, if you like chemistry, if you like to cook, you'll be a good chemist. Um, that's not true. I love to cook. I would never enjoy being in a chemistry lab all day. <laughs> uh, but being the engineer who takes what the chemist develops in the lab and making it into a rep- reproducible process that we can actually make something out of it or figuring out how you take this technology and commercialize it is the exciting part for me. So it's you, you learn a lot of tools in school, and I think you learn how to solve problems in chemical engineering um, and analyze things. But what you do in your classroom isn't what I've done in any of my jobs. Can you talk a little bit about what you do as a job now and maybe tell us what a day in your life looks like being a CEO? That's a great question. And a day in my life is different every day (laughs) because I I do startups. Um, And that's that's really one of the things. And I think being with an engineering background, that's the perfect background for somebody who's going to do startups uh, and who wants to manage them because you learn to solve problems and you learn to not just solve a problem, but actually determine that there's a problem there as an engineer, to me, that's, it's not always obvious, you know, you might think things are going great, and there's really an underlying problem. And with your engineering background, you really learn to figure out, hey, there's a problem there, something's not right in the data, something doesn't look right. And then also to prioritize which problems you need to address first. There, you know, there are problems that, oh, well, we can live with it. And then there are others where if we don't fix this, it's going to be something major uh, for the company. And that's what you do in in an entrepreneurial situation. Regardless of your position, you are always looking at the problems, trying to identify them, prioritize them, uh, and fix, solve them. And as the CEO, that's really what my role is, to figure out what does the company need to focus on, what makes the most sense. And Orbit Genomics is a very early stage startup. We're doing a lot of research through university collaborations. But for me as the CEO now, my goal, my main priority is to fundraise so that we can launch our first product. But before that, before we got to fundraising, I had to lead our team and pull them together and figure out what should our first product be. We have a great technology that can be used for literally dozens of things and identifying what is something that's going to attract investors, that's going to have value, that's solving a real problem. All of those things are what I do as a CEO. Um, you know, the adage, build it and they will come, doesn't really work. Gotcha. So my goal is to figure out what do they need us to build and and how do we make it work. So Wow, that's amazing. Like I'm sure there's a there's a lot that goes into it and like just having to come up with new things all the time and figuring out like what what are we missing? What can we improve? Like that that's really cool to me. I that's awesome. <laughs> It is. And the other, the caveat to that is what one, a lot of startups get stuck in doing is constantly changing and pivoting. Mm -hmm. 
because the grass is always greener somewhere else or um, there's so many opportunities. And that was really where this startup was. The, the scientific founder, there were so many things that he was looking at and every investor has their own pet thing they want you to work on. And you really have to be able to figure out what is it that's going to make this com- this company and this technology successful and what really is going to interest investors and and actually be a long-term plan for us. And that's a real challenge for startups. It's it's really easy to constantly want to change what you're doing. Um, And at the same time, there are times when you do have to pivot when it's like we've hit a a wall. So being able to balance that is really um, the art of being a good entrepreneur. For sure. So as a CEO, I'm sure you're on top of your time management. Um, do you have any tips or advice for those of us who are trying to have like that great work-life balance? You know, I always think there are people who are list makers and people who are not. And I know people in both categories that are good at um, at organizing things. I happen to be a list maker. And so for me, I, you know, I keep my priority list of big term, long term priorities, but then I also have my objectives. I've gotten to now in the COVID world because it is so easy to spend all of your time working and you forget what day it is. Yes. Um, that I try now to have like weekly goals. Well, I've always had weekly goals, but I focus on them more now, I think, than I used to uh, because I don't. I'm working from home, which I've done for a while, but I don't go into an office. You know, my our, our meetings, instead of just being impromptu when you're sitting in an office and people can just walk into it, now it takes more effort to call or usually we schedule things and we, I think there are less impromptu conversations. So I try to focus more on what I need to get done in that week. Um, and then new things come up all the time. In a startup, one thing that you can count on is everything is going to change a lot. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, but just trying to look at my list and say, is this really what I need to get to done? Um, for instance, today I got an email from somebody that said, you have 48 hours to complete this. And it's from an investor who is a very interesting one. Uh, but it means, okay, now I have to shift. But just trying to stay on top of what are my priorities and what do I need to get done? Um, but I would say that from a work-life balance, entrepreneurs aren't the best at that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but one advantage I do have is being in Colorado, I think most Coloradans, um, we recognize the value of having that work-life balance, which is, you know, why we're here in large part. I've worked all over the place um, and always wanted to come back here. Part of it is because I can take a 30-minute break to go ride my bike or go for a hike um, and then be back in my office immediately and still get a nice mental and physical break. So, Oh, for sure. Yeah, those are definitely needed when you're doing such <laughs> important work. And I think that you had really valuable advice there because I know it's really easy to think so far ahead in the future, like panic and get overwhelmed and overthink things. So I like your advice in saying to, to you know, make your, your goals like shorter, like weekly goals and focusing on your priorities and what's important is such valuable advice and something that I'm definitely <laughs> going to take note of. Yeah, it's easy to get overwhelmed when you look at the, you know, the longer term things. Yet, if you do things stepwise, you start to see that I can really accomplish a lot and it's all moving toward the longer term goals. So, Yeah, 100%. So one question for the students is, do you have any advice for those of us who are still trying to figure out our passion and how did STEM help you with your passions? 
So I think one, um, that's another great question. I think really trying different things and trying to expose yourself to as many different things is really important in figuring out what is your passion. I also think when you really enjoy something, um, you know, it's not always obvious what about it you enjoy. So there were things when I was in high school that I loved. I loved my art classes. I still like that type of creativity. And, you know, you think chemical engineer, what does that have to do with art? And how could you ever do something like that? And I and I actually do a lot of things like that in my job. Um, you know, I, I love art and design and I, I we renovated our house like five years ago. And it was so funny because I talked to all of these designers and general contractors. And then at the end of the day, I said, why am I hiring these people? I've built labs all over the place. My kitchen is just, you know, lab is just a kitchen on steroids. So this is the fun part. I can do that myself. So they're, you know, translating that, um, those other things and figuring out what was it that I liked about the class? It was the creative part. And you can do that in engineering as well. There's so much creativity. Um, that it wasn't necessarily a paintbrush or, you know, a marker or those things that got me excited. It was the creating of something new. And I do that in my job. So, um, and you can, there, there are lots of other things. I think it's, yeah, figuring out what it is that you really enjoy or alternatively what you don't like. There were classes I really didn't care for, like organic chemistry. I didn't like it because I didn't like to memorize, right? Yes. <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't like the chemistry. It's actually very useful. And we always joke now, I said, my fallback is I'm going to make wine or, you know, get a distillery, which is total organic chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the part I like is the creative part. I didn't like the memorization. So, you know, figuring out what it is you like um, is, I think, really important and because it's not the obvious stuff usually and what you don't like. I think it's so funny and cool because I feel like a lot of the things that I'm interested in are things that you've been talking about, like the creative process and being artistic. And then like, if it doesn't work out, I always wanted to do like a brewery or like distillery. (laughs) So I think that's so cool. And, you know, it's really great too seeing like diversity and seeing like an Asian American woman who's doing such incredible things. And I think diversity is incredibly important because that's something that encouraged me to go into engineering. Um, And so my question for you is, why do you think diversity is important? And was there a lot of diversity when you were starting in your field? That, that's another great question. Yes, I think diversity is so important um, in everything we do, especially if you're trying to build a company or even have a team. Because what you don't, what I don't like is groupthink. And I think um, you know, if everybody comes from the same background and has the same ideas, then it's really easy to get into that. that I mean, that can happen even with a diverse group where everybody just starts following the same trends, and you really lose creativity. You lose the best answer. Um, and you lose other points of view. And when you're trying to launch a new product, which is what all startups do, regardless of what kind of startup it is, you need viewpoints from all sorts of wor- uh, people's worlds because you're going to have all sorts of people using it um, unless you're making something that's only for one type of person. And even then, there might be a better way to do it that you won't find if you don't have diversity, both in terms of people's backgrounds, in terms of their education, um, really, in, you know, men and women, everything. 
uh, that to me is just a critical piece of making the best, getting to the best solution, which is what engineers are trying to do. We're trying to get to the best solution in the most efficient way possible. Um, and so for me, that's really important. And when I got, when I went, was in school way back in the dark ages, um, we were almost at our peak and I followed it. I checked it up a few years ago. There were 20% of the undergraduate students in engineering were female and chemical engineering were female. And it fell off after I graduated. And I think it's now back up to about 20%. But it's really, to me, that's such a shame because it's been a 35 years, I, I don't, would have to do the math, sorry, um, to figure out how long it's been. Um, but it's sad that we haven't seen more of that. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I really think it needs it needs to change. We need to get more and more women in into engineering, into these things, and people of every color, uh, every, you know, persuasion, whatever, in there, because it really does make for better solutions. And it makes much better team, for better teamwork when you have people from different backgrounds. Yeah, I think that was very well said and like perfectly describes the importance of diversity. Thank you so much for answering those first few questions for us, Didi. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then come right back for some more questions. Great. Thank you. Hi, it's Wendy. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Did you know that for as little as $10 a month, you can support a high school girl to participate in the STEM Blazers program for an entire school year? We couldn't do our work without you. Your generosity will create the opportunity for a student to build a network with inspiring women working in STEM, attend field trips, and participate in mentorship and job shadow experiences. To hear more about the STEM Blazers impact, please visit us at www.stemblazers.org impact. To join our giving program, just scroll to the bottom of the page. Thank you so much to all of our donors who are helping us with our mission and our work with the next generation of young women. Now let's get back to the conversation. All right. Thank you, Didi, for that conversation before. It was awesome to listen to your insight and what this field and the field of engineering has um, and just what you've experienced. So to get into this next section, our first question is, do you think that there has been any progress with the way women in leadership positions have been treated? Wow, another great question. Um, yes, I, I think there has been progress made, and I certainly see more women today in leadership positions throughout the, the life sciences industry, and actually at most industries, um, than, than were there when I was starting out. I had literally no female role models for the first 15 years of my career um, and tried to be a role model for other people, but it was it was very different then. And I certainly see a lot more women, but I d still don't see enough. It's still, you know, we when I go to trade shows back when we used to have those in person, there's a huge life science week in San Francisco, um, the beginning of January every year. And, you know, the, the women, we really stand out because there just aren't that many. So it's still a huge need, but it is getting better. Yeah, I think that it's really awesome to see how you've tried to become a role model when you didn't really have anybody to be your role model. But I think that it that demonstrates even more how important it is to have a role model and to be able to seek out those people when you are joining the field, because it can be truly impactful to what you're doing. Thank you. 
Yeah, with that being said, um, do you have any tips on sounding confident and leading the room in the workplace? I think just knowing that, you know, where you got where you are because you were good at what you're doing. Um, it's not easy to get a degree in chemical engineering and you're in there studying it now or whatever your other degrees might be. And to know that you have just as much right to be there as anybody else. Um, and, you know, making mistakes, everybody does it. And it's really not the end of the world. And it's actually the best learning experience you can have because if you are successful in everything you do, you probably don't know why. Um, whereas when you make a mistake, if you stop and think about it, then you can figure out, okay, I won't do this the next time. Um, and well, what did I do wrong? What went wrong? And everybody, like I said, makes mistakes. And so it's it might be singled out or you might feel more because it's you. I mean, people might notice you more because you might be the only female in the room. Um, but just have the confidence. And even if you don't have it, act confidence and confident and people will think you have it. I know um, a lot of times when I've asked people who are so confident and I ask for their tips, they're usually like, you got to fake it till you make it. And <laughs> it is true. Yeah, and I think really one of the biggest things for me is to not be afraid to make a mistake um, because everybody makes mistakes. And, you know, the worst thing is if you don't own up to it or you because then it just starts escalating. But if you know you made a mistake, then then you can say, oh, that was wrong or I was wrong and let's move forward and how do we correct it? And you get a lot more respect that way. And then you really do learn for it. And then you be, uh, learn from it and you can become confident in yourself that, hey, it's okay. And we moved on and now we're in a better place. Definitely. I think it's cool to see the growth in that. And, and being upfront about that can be really powerful to somebody listening because, um, you should always be striving to kind of grow in that field and grow in your perspective. So I think that that is super important for a listener. Never stop learning. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I agree. Our next question was, have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome and how do you get over that? Do you think women feel this more often than men? I think so. I mean, obviously I've never been a man, so I can't speak for them and maybe they fake it better than, than um, most of the women I know. Um, but yes, definitely. I, when I first had my first sales job, so through my corporate career, before I started doing um, startups with Fentac partners, I worked in every operational part of the company, but deliberately because I wanted to run a business and thought, okay, I need to know how every every part of the company works if I'm really going to manage it well. I think that's the engineer in me. And my first job in sales, um, I can remember I was young and I looked a lot younger than I actually was. And it was during a huge economic boom. And every company I went into, and I was in aerospace, the, the security guard would immediately usher me into the interview room because I always thought I was interviewing for a job. <laughs> And so I would do everything I could just because I looked young. I would do everything I could to try and look more professional, a little older. And, I, you know, I started wearing more makeup and doing my hair and I wore all these suits um, and just tried, yeah, to fake it till I could make it and to look, to look older. But it, it didn't take too long, I would say, probably a few months until of going in and having people say that and then getting into meetings and people actually listening to me and understanding that I really did know my product and I knew what I was talking about and having a few successes, then that kind of success gives you that confidence to go forward. So 
Didi, thank you for that wonderful conversation that we just had. It was super insightful to get your perspective and I think it will benefit our listeners very greatly. We're going to move into the rapid fire question. So we're going to ask you a series of questions and you will try to answer them as fast as possible. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. <laughs> the, fir- the first question is, what is the class that everyone should take? Oh, statistics. I, that's my pet peeve is when people come in and we they don't have any statistics background and we're, you, you do a lot of experiments and a lot of data. And if you really can't analyze it well, then you can spend a lot of time chasing things that I'm getting. And you can spend a lot of time doing experiments and actually not have anything to show for it at the end of the day. So definitely, I will definitely add that to my list of classes to take. Um, what are three things that you can't live without? Oh, well, in the pandemic, coffee and chocolate are two things. <laughs> um, uh, and I would have to say, besides family, I won't, in family and friends, that is first and foremost. But if you take those out, I would have to say the next thing is uh, sadly my phone. Uh, I'm connected to technology in this world, especially in the pandemic now. So, yeah, I think it's become vital to our to our society and something that all of us rely on. Absolutely. Um, The next question is, what is something that makes you laugh? Oh, wow. So many things make me laugh. Um, I think you have to be able to laugh at everything, including yourself. (laughs) So I, yeah, um, in fact, that's, yeah. (laughs) Laughing is truly great medicine. So I totally um, agree. I couldn't think of one thing. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're totally fine. That was a great answer. I think that's important. What is the best compliment you've ever received? Oh, wow. Oh, that's a really hard question. Actually, probably the best compliments I've received is when I've left a job and then uh, later my supervisor, my boss has asked me to come back and work for them again some other time. I think that's probably a really good compliment or advice or, or when somebody who's worked for me has left or I've moved on and then they've come back and wanted to work again. So I think wanting to come back and work team with me again, be on my team again is important and a big compliment. So who is your female STEM icon? Oh, I don't have one. There are so many people and, you know, what comes to mind now are the recent Nobel Prize winners. I didn't have any female role models in my early part of my career. So now I just look at everybody who's out there and doing something, Uh, especially in the COVID world. There's so much going on in life sciences and everywhere else. So I would say uh, any woman who's putting herself out there and doing things. And actually, I wouldn't just leave it to that. I would say um, students like you guys actually too. I mean, I really, that to me, you're the next generation. You're what's going to keep things going. So I would say that as well. I agree. What is something that you've been wanting to learn or you are learning? So I'm Japanese American and I unfortunately don't really speak Japanese. I know things that my parents told me, like how to tell a child to be quiet uh, <laughs> or to, uh, and other things like that. And I know food. Um, and so I keep trying to learn it. But for me, I'd have to go spend more time there. And I have been there on business and can say a few words really well, uh, but just a few words. So I would love to learn Japanese. The other thing I'm looking over, I have a piano in my house that I got from my 
parents. And my mother was here yesterday for Mother's Day and asked me if I've learned to play it yet. And I can play, I took lessons for a while, but I told her that my rest of my lessons have to wait till I'm retired. So I guess those would be the two things. (laughs) All right. And the last question we have is something that we're doing new with the podcast this season, which we are making a mentors playlist. So Didi, what is your favorite song? Oh, no. (laughs) Um, I have so many favorite songs. Ah. Okay, for this podcast, I would say, and this isn't my favorite song, but it's one one I think that is totally appropriate for this, is Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I love that. Yes. (laughs) It's definitely a bob. And for our listeners, if you want to check out the Mentors playlist, check out our social media. All right, Didi. And now we're going to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests. Standing where you are right now, what advice would you give to your high school self? Don't be concerned that you don't know what you want to do when you grow up. Um, You're young and you can try all sorts of different things. And even when you decide what you're going to do, you don't have to do that forever. Um, So don't worry about that. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice. I think it's really, I feel like it's really easy to f- to get caught in this timeline that we have to go through. So I think that's amazing advice. I agree. All right. To wrap up this episode, I want to thank you so much, Didi, for joining us. It was a privilege to talk to you. And on behalf of STEM Blazers, we want to thank you so much for sharing your story and passions. Well, thank you. It was truly an honor to be here. And I loved meeting both of you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you as well. I almost went to the School of Mines and decided I didn't was going to stay on the East Coast where my parents lived. So congratulations. That's a great school. Thank you. <laughs> Our trivia question of the day is, what is the Kelvin temperature that represents a condition of no molecular motion? Check out the answer on our Instagram at STEMblazers. We would like to thank the listeners for joining us on another STEM Blazers episode. If you want more information or want to stay up to date with what we are working on, please check out our website at stemblazers.org or Facebook and Instagram pages at STEM Blazers. We'll see you next time.